and welcome to the Energetic Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa LaFera, an astrologer, tarot consultant, and all-around creative from sunny San Diego, California. And this is the 39th episode of the podcast for the week of February 4th, 2019. So let's break it down a bit. Here's what to expect. The goal is to help guide and prepare you for the utmost awareness of the energy in the moment. For if you use the energy consciously, it has a better chance of working for you. I'll kick off the show with a weekly astro report, along with a few tarot polls and our animal ambassador of the week. Then a guest will join me in conversation around a chosen topic. And this week, I'm so happy to welcome Portland-based professional astrologer, lecturer, and creator of Astrology University, Tony Howard, to join me on the podcast in a discussion on just that, Astrology University. So before we get started here, please remember, as always, take what resonates and leave the rest, because only you know you best. So thank you so much for joining me today, and if you'd like to show appreciation for my work and get early Sunday access for as little as $1 per month, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com backslash energetic principles. I also have a tip jar on the homepage of my website uh, if you feel like donating because you've gotten some value out of this podcast, either now or in the past or even in the future. So if you are interested in that, you can find that tip jar at energeticprinciples.com. So let's get down to this week's astro report. Our lunar lady starts out the week with a new moon in Aquarius on Monday, and where she will begin a whole new lunar cycle in her waxing phase. She hangs out in the airy intellectualism of the water bearer for a bit longer before moving into the sensitive waters of Pisces late on Tuesday. We swim with the fishies for most of the week until Luna moves into the fire starter energy of Aries on Friday, and where she will remain for much of the weekend until she saunters into Taurus late on Sunday. So just a quick heads up, all time approximations are for North America. So if you live in Europe, add about eight hours, and if you are in Australia or the East, add about 17 hours, or basically the following day. And keep in mind that timing isn't always precise, as astrological transits, otherwise known as the connections that planets make to one another, have varied emphasis as they apply and separate. So it's quite possible to feel the energy sooner or later than the exact moment of contact. Well, my friends, this week it is sextile city. Sounds sexy, doesn't it? (laughs) As the sun meets Jupiter and Mercury meets Mars and Uranus, all in sextile aspects, uh, otherwise known as opportunistic positions. And we are also welcoming in the Chinese New Year, with 2019 being the year of the pig or the boar, depending on who you talk to. But uh, pig just sounds more cute and cuddly to me. So things are really moving forward and doors are opening this week. So let's not waste any time and dive right in. On Monday, we start out the week with our new moon in Aquarius. And Luna will conjoin the sun, which is obviously our new moon. We'll make a sextile to Jupiter and then a conjunction to Mercury later in the day. 
And so our new moon will be happening at 15 degrees and 45 minutes of Aquarius. And so I titled my new moon uh, blog piece, uh, Peace, <laughs> peace. Prioritizing the future. For after the intensity of Capricorn in our eclipse season, there are a lot of considerations on the table for us to innovate and improve our lives now that a slew of intense transits have carried us up to this point, introducing a new sense of reality along the way. As this new moon is represented by Saturn and Capricorn, there is still the question of the work needing to be done, the inner authority that is asking to be stepped into, and the necessity of integrity within the entire process. As Aquarius is all about upgrading, improving, and evolving, we are now able to take our augmented visions of the future, both personally and collectively, to the next level. And so I encourage uh, you to go to my website and check out my full blog article on this as I talk in much more detail uh, for each new moon and full moon and also include the Sabian symbol. And uh, I just really get in there as opposed to what I'm saying here. So go check that out, energeticprinciples.com. And if you'd like to have it come straight to your inbox, there is a a sign-up form at the bottom of my front page that will just have that, you know, MailChimp right over to you when I release it. I'm also excited to announce that I have a new Patreon offering uh, where I've replaced my moon horoscopes that I was doing bi-monthly with a new offer called Moon Animal Monthly. And so what that is, is that is a, uh, a PDF magazine, a colorful, you know, image-laden magazine that I've put together that will still have those uh, moon animal representatives for both the new and the full moon, but it will also be looking at the lunar cycle as a whole for the whole month, along with charts, little blurb- blurbs on the uh, energy for each quarter, and also human representatives uh, that were born at that particular moon cycle and sign. So uh, that will be a $3 a month Patreon tiers. So if you're interested in that, I encourage you to go check it out. Um, And it also includes early access to the podcast. And I'm very happy about it. And it just launched officially a a day or so ago. um, And I would love to know what people think. All right. So the bottom line for Monday is it's likely to be a quiet day with much pondering of the future and its potentialities. We are likely to feel pretty good and optimistic about what is before us with that sextile to Jupiter, and our feelings and intellect are working side by side as the moon conjoins Mercury. Spend some downtime to get lost in your own head, because who knows where it may lead at this time. Now, on Tuesday, the moon is still in Aquarius, yet will move into Pisces around 6 p.m. here on the Pacific coast. And along the way, she will make a sextile to Mars, a sextile to Uranus, and then a sextile to Venus. And so, uh, of note, we don't have any transits going on, but this is the Chinese New Year. This is the, we're entering into the year of the Earth Pig or the Earth Boar. And so we are wrapping up the 12-year Chinese zodiac cycle as the year of the pig is ushered in uh, because that is the 12th sign of their zodiac, much like the way Pisces is for our Western system. And so in Chinese culture, the pig is associated with wealth and good fortune and has a yin or a receiving type of energy to it. So if you were born a pig or a boar, uh, that's a very nice sign for you, I'd say, because who doesn't like a little good fortune in their lives? And so pig years are 1947, uh, 59, 71, 83, 95, and then our last pig year was 2007. 
And it's also interesting to note that we haven't had an Earth pig year in 60 years. So it will be intriguing to look at how this energy plays out in relation to 1959. Overall, this sign is considered auspicious and paired with our numerological three-year that we are going uh, through right now as 2019 adds to a three. We are likely to be expanding, growing, and gaining in significant ways. How nice with Jupiter and Sagittarius this year as well. It seems to really support that too. Now, as far as compatibility goes, Pig is comfortable with their other barnyard friends like Rabbit and Goat. I'm a goat, so I'm happy about this. And Tiger, too, although that's uh, an interesting match. But from what I understand, the Tiger is there to help protect the Pig, which is a nice uh, bonus. Now, the less compatible signs are going to be the snakes and the monkey. Um, So if you are the former, it can be a year of opportunity. Now, if you are the latter, there can be some clashes in energy. And then all the other signs I imagine will be meeting somewhere in the middle. But to find out more, you can check out uh, Donna Stellhorn, who is a local here in San Diego. Uh, She specializes in uh, Chinese astrology, and she has a YouTube video called 2019 Year of the Pig, Predictions for All Signs. And she's a really sweet lady, so if you want to check it out to see what your sign uh, is going to look like, I recommend uh, Googling her video. Now, the bottom line for Tuesday is is that we spend much of the day with the moon still in the fixed air of Aquarius, and it's likely to be bustling with activity and social connections, where we are just probably airing out what's on our minds, you know, been having a lot to think about lately. And so the day will have considerable energy to it with the opportunity to make improvements in what we find ourselves surrounded by. Energy may drop off and be a bit restless in the evening once the moon glides into watery Pisces, and we may just want some downtime to lay low, veg out, and ruminate on the potentially enlightening intuitions that are now coming in. Now, on Wednesday, the moon is in Pisces, and there actually are no exact aspects taking place, uh, you know, transits with the planets or transits uh, with the moon, at least here on the Pacific coast. It might vary in different places of the world. But basically, with the moon in Pisces, the whole day we are leading to a Neptune conjunction. Um, So the bottom line for Wednesday is, is that we may feel as if we are in a dream world, as energy is a bit lower and we are swirling in the sensitive and impressionable water of Pisces. Going with the flow may be the best bet for the day, uh, as there can be illuminating forces that pop up when we are receptive to the thin veil of energies that are surrounding us. The night is likely to feel super spacey as Luna heads towards Neptune, and there may be a bit of confusion or haziness that permeates. Uh, And you might want to look out for fog, as I've noticed it tends to roll in when the moon connects with Neptune. And so I do my own experiment every time one of these transits happen. Now, on Thursday, uh, all our aspects are starting to heat up here. So this is kind of the meat of the week begins. And so Thursday, when the moon is still in Pisces, uh, it's going to make that conjunction in Neptune super, super, super early in the morning when we're sleeping, uh, along with a sextile to Saturn around the same time. Uh, And then during the day, there will be a square to Jupiter and then a sextile to Pluto. And so we have two transits of note taking place that day. Uh, We have the sun making the sextile to Jupiter, and we have Mercury making a sextile to Mars. Now let's start with our sun and Jupiter uh, transit here. And so the sun, that's our life force, our vitality, where we gain a conscious awareness. And it's usually uh, when there's a sun transit, there is some sort of page that is turning in our book. 
Now, sextiles are opportunistic. They create opportunities. They open a door to something. Um, but we have to walk through it in order to take advantage of it. It doesn't flow like the trine. It's more of, oh, I see this. Now I have to go after it type of thing. Um, and so, you know, I really think this is a great way to start off the lunar month uh, because there's a positive frame of mind underway that can give us opportunity to move forward into new realms of experience. So there is that optimism in the air. And with optimism, usually there's the potentiality that a lucky door may open. And so friendships, groups, communal experiences are likely to be uplifting or provide opportunities for uh, maybe new viewpoints or upgraded collective vision or just growing together where we're working as a team. And gaining awareness around shifts in our personal stories may be taking place as well, while also fixating on ideals for the future, because the sun is in Aquarius, so we are fixated on this improvement for what is to come. And with Jupiter involved here, there's kind of an educational quality at play, where we are learning uh, through experience, um, which is leading to an improved understanding of the entirety of our situation. So we're going through experiences that are then giving us windows of, uh, you know, insight and illumination into the, the whole of it all, because Jupiter can see that big picture. And so can Aquarius. And so if we seek, we now have the opportunity to find, stabilize, and then move that influence forward. Now, with Mercury sextile Mars as well, you know, Mercury is our is also that learning um, influence because it's our perception and how news comes in or how we communicate with others or how we process information in a, in a you know, a logical or, you know, rationalizing sort of way. And once again, the sextile is creating that opportunity. Uh, and that opportunity opens a door to Mars, which Mars is our focused action, our drive, where we motivate ourselves, uh, what we assert ourselves towards. Um, and so there, when these two meet, because Mars is ready to go and Mercury is just always busy in, in general, and these are both happening in masculine signs in Aquarius and Aries. So it's likely that there's going to be busyness to this day with this aspect um, and really throughout the weekend, I think. And so chances are, you know, everything is going to speed up. Whatever we touch is going to speed up. Uh, and mental activity is likely to be on fire as Aquarius is that air that's going to fan the flames of Aries's fire and that desired motivation that is coming down, which is probably uh, propelled by that sun sextile to Jupiter. So it's likely that we are fixated on our own agenda because Mars and Aries is very much concerned with the self um, and or at least how we fit within the group. You know, if there is still that group dynamic with Aquarius um, and sextiles in general, we may be looking at uh, how we fit within the group as a whole um, or, you know, the moving parts that we are involved in or responsible for. And so we may try our best to convince another of our way because that can happen at this time. Or we may be on the receiving end of another's case where they're trying to tell us, no, listen to this, listen to what I have to say. And so it's nice because we can actually defend our positions um, and perhaps actually see our position to begin with when this aspect takes place. 
And since the sun and Jupiter are in that sextile, you know, standing up for what we believe may be necessary uh, could be on the table if you do have to stand up for something that you believe in. Yet if we do so, chances are we're going to be respected for, um, you know, standing our ground or being able to uh, communicate or say something. And so this can be a, also a day of healthy competition, which will motivate us forward. We say someone else is doing something and you are inspired by that. And so it creates healthy competition to want to uh, propel yourself in that direction as well, or at least to kind of play off that vibe. And so communications or information may come our way with the necessity to act, because that's a thing too, and possibly quite quickly in order to take the opportunity. So if you do hear news of an opportunity, uh, chances are in order for you to take advantage of it, because this is all happening in masculine signs, we're probably going to have to think quick on our feet. So the bottom line for Thursday is, is that uh, you may want to note any dreams that come in uh, the night before as Luna crosses over Neptune. There may be some inspiration that is trying to come in through that dream. We are growing and transcending emotionally at this time, too. Uh, Yet there is part of us that may hiccup with spiritual doubts about where life is heading, especially with that square to Jupiter. We are still needing to go with the flow as new frames of mind come in that the emotions have yet to catch up to. And it's likely to be a busy day where we may get turned around from time to time. Yet when it's all said and done, it's likely to be a day of releasing the old so that we may empower ourselves for what is next. Now, on Friday, we don't have any exact aspects taking place. The moon is still in Aries and will make a square to Venus. And so the bottom line for Friday is is that the fire is back as the moon in Aries provides a stark contrast from the last few days in Pisces. Well, at least emotionally, but still, you know, with that Mars energy taking place, we're we're feeling the fire throughout the later half of the week. And so we are ready and raring to go um, and really to get going on whatever transitions or conclusions we may have come to with the likelihood of starting something new today. Because whenever the moon is in Aries, we you know, emotionally desire to start something new. And so with the evening square to Venus, there may be a bit of conflict or uneasiness in the air as a wave of moodiness may set in. Um, And you may not feel like socializing, even though it's Friday night. So if that is the case, spend some time on your own uh, and what you are personally interested in. Now, on Saturday, the moon is still in Aries and will make a square to Saturn and a trine to Jupiter. And we have Mercury who will be making a sextile to Uranus that day. So we're just contacted Mars. Now the messenger has moved on to Uranus. And so once again, where you're talking about information coming in, communications, perceptions, learning, all that type of thing. And these are also opportunities because it's a sextile. Now, Uranus is a a planet that wants to awaken us in some way and uh, can create certain storms in our life if we need to look at, you know, kind of bring something to our awareness. Uh, And there may be the need to free or liberate or to innovate or to raise higher in a situation. And so there could be a turnaround taking place um, in the mind here. And let's note that tomorrow Mercury is going to move into Pisces on Sunday. So this is happening at the critical 29th degree of Aquarius. Um, And Uranus is at 29 degrees of Aries and has been for a little bit now. So there are likely to be tests around this transit in some way. 
And so we are discovering new information in relation to our long-term goals and strategies. And there will probably be a sense of excitement in the air because that's what Uranus brings, excitement, restlessness, you know, ready to get on with it. Um, And it's also possible that surprising messages may come our way that contain unexpected opportunities because we are talking about sextiles here. Um, And because it's a sextile and, you know, Uranus can be considered a, a disruptive planet, chances are it's going to be less disruptive and more maybe a pleasant surprise that comes in. Unless there are factors in your own chart that are, you know, mitigating that, of course. And so we're likely to feel mentally restless, yet within that there's an opportunity for invention and innovation and tackling old problems in new ways or new problems um, as if it's no big deal, you know, especially with Aries. Aries has, Moon and Aries is a lot of times uh, either looking for crisis or having to deal with, you know, putting fires out kind of thing. So if that's the case, we're going to be able to do that rather quick. For, you know, and also if we're challenged in some way, there's likely to be an excitement or vigor to it, you know, like I was talking about that healthy competition earlier. So if you are shooken up in some way or your usual routine is diverted and, you know, uh, don't be surprised if, if, that is like enlightens you in some way. Or if that doesn't happen, maybe you are going to be surprised by someone else or something something else that shakes things up. Um, because it's meant to open us up to new experiences and ways of thinking so that fresh insights um, and those potential light bulb moments can come in. And so the bottom line for Saturday is the fires are still burning with the moon in Aries, and it's likely to be a day of obstacles, yet also easy growth as Luna makes a challenging aspect to Saturn and then a flowing one with Jupiter. And so today may be a day that you want to kind of pick the low-hanging fruit, as we may be quite restless and not have enough patience to see bigger projects through. Yet based on the enthusiasm alone for what is ahead of us, we are likely to be feeling, you know, quite driven to make a commitment, even if now is not the right time to fully embark upon, you know, said journey. So it's more about setting a tone for the fresh starts that are to be stabilized once the moon is in Taurus and then first quarter rolls around. Now, last but not least, we have Sunday where the moon is still in Aries and will make her way into Taurus around 5.30 p.m. here in on the Pacific coast. And along the way, uh, she'll make a sextile to the sun, a square to Pluto. It's all happening probably while we sleep. You might want to watch the dreams on Sunday uh, morning as well. But then she's going to conjunct Mars and Uranus, which is likely to liven things up and make a sextile to Mercury. So all those transits I just spoke of earlier are pretty much being activated by the moon on Sunday. So this is kind of a lingering effect throughout the week. Now, of note, we have Mercury who is moving into Pisces uh, on Sunday, and uh, we want to make a note that, you know, usually Mercury moves through a sign rather fast, but not this time because we are going to be uh, retrograding uh, through Pisces. So Mercury is going to be in the sign of Pisces from now until April 17th due to that upcoming Mercury retrograde cycle. 
Now, Mercury is considered to be its detriment in Pisces, um, but does have a little extra juice this season as a messenger is disposed or represented by Jupiter, who is in his own domicile this year. So there is a functioning that is taking place there, uh, and also challenging since this is uh, that square aspect. And so we will transition out of the intellectual precision of Mercury and Aquarius in favor of the more nebulous and imaginative realm of Mercury and Pisces. We may think of it even as imagineering. Now, our thinking is likely to take on a more watery, sensitive, and probably impressionable vibe, which can potentially cloud our intellect with emotions that are in need of transcendence. Yet this is not necessarily a bad thing if we are emotionally inspired within our thoughts and communications. Psychic impressions are likely with the ability to know, you know, without necessarily knowing why or, or how, because that's kind of how the Pisces mind works. Like it, it, it knows, but it might not be able to explain it in great detail. It just, it just knows. And so if you're an artist of any sort, this is likely to be a very fertile transit for not only new pieces, but to also revisit old methods of artistry or projects that are in need of wrapping up particularly while Mercury retrogrades through Pisces for much of March. Um, And as Pisces is a double-bodied sign, we are probably going to be viewing our options and the alternatives that our minds are entertaining, especially in regards to relationships and the things we are currently dependent upon, measuring these areas up to see how or if they fit in with the future plans that we have been formulating since the beginning of the year. Now, Jack, Marsh, and I talked uh, last week in great detail about Mercury and Mercury and Pisces in particular uh, during our Messenger Mercury segment. So feel free to reference back to that episode to learn more about this placement, but also about Mercury in general, because we did a pretty nice treatment of uh, of the Messenger um, in its cycle, in its myth, and in, in natal charts for delineation. All right, so the bottom line for Sunday is that today is likely to be excitable and awakening as the moon crosses over Mars and Uranus. And this is the last conjunction to be made by the moon uh, before Mars and Uranus officially meet themselves. So it's safe to say you can expect the unexpected today and possibly throughout the weekend. This can be a good day to have a conversation if needed as we will be able to share our vision of the future with others. And now once that moon moves into Taurus later in the day, energy will stable out so that we may rest up for what is going to potentially be an exciting week ahead. So to wrap it all up, this feels like a week of great growth, even if part of it is to be realized in the future. Opportunity comes our way on more than one occasion as we push off this Aquarian new moon that is seeking to improve what is, while also opening the door to what can be. So now let's take a look at the cards because they always add a little extra dimension to the things that I'm talking about. Uh, And this week I drew an interesting pair, I have to say, for all our sextiles. I drew the five of pentacles as the focus and death as the grounding. And so with the Five of Pentacles as the focus, we may be feeling the dead of winter in many ways as old resources dry up and we find ourselves in a transitional phase in regards to material manifestation. 
With a typical image of this card being a group of wary people out in the snow, I can't help but think of all the folks that were going through the extreme cold weather in the Midwest last week and how hard that must have been um, and how unusual and like having to get through that trying time. But as we can see what happened with the, the Midwest folks, luckily that weather sub, uh, subsided and they were out, able to come back into the sun. And so this card uh, reminds us that in the face of hardship, there's always help at our disposal if we are willing to ask. So refrain from isolation or a poverty mindset and reach out to the resources that are looking to assist because we have all these sextiles taking place and Jupiter. Uh, So we do have what it takes to kind of lift ourselves out of this dead zone. Uh, And speaking of dead zone, we have death as the grounding. And so transition is needed in order to bring us out of the cold or to transform our situations towards greater spiritual evolution. Renew your relationship to what insecurity, lack, or hardship truly is. And through that shifting and letting go, you'll find yourself refreshed on the other end and a little lighter in your step. Spring will be here soon enough, so let's all close down what is in need of an ending and open up space for the new life that is on the way. Now, last but certainly not least, this show is brought to you by this week's animal ambassador, the unicorn. Our mythical creature here is trying to enliven the magical side that lives within us all. This would be a great week to connect with the creative and imaginative impulse within and to allow that energy to manifest itself in the form of some sort of artistic expression. What that may look like will be different for all of us, and it may by no means be perfect. It is more about the activity and process itself and the passion that rises up while we connect to this pursuit. If you aren't quite sure how to proceed, let your heart be the guide and follow whatever creative power is trying to come through, no matter how crazy or off the wall it may seem. Now, if you'd like to go deeper with how the energy of the week will interact with you personally, I encourage you to check out my tarot subscription on Patreon. And you don't have to be a tarot expert, and you don't even have to use tarot. You can use oracle cards if you like oracle cards, because there's some fabulous decks out there. Or you can combine decks. Do it all. You know, it's up to you. But basically, I create a spread each week that is in line with our astrological transits, and then you get to pull cards for these placements so that you can see on a more detailed level what that energy might look like for you. I also highlight a crystal uh, each week to kind of give some inspiration there and and a quote uh, to get the mind thinking. And so last week we worked on empowering forward, and this week we are going to be working on new sense of belonging. So if you want to find out more about the Tarot subscription or the Moon Animal Monthly magazine that I've mentioned earlier, you can do so at patreon.com backslash energetic principles. Okay, now let's meet our guest. All right, I am so happy to welcome this week's special guest, Tony Howard. Thank you so much for being here. It is my pleasure, and thanks for the invite, Melissa. Absolutely. And so I wanted to have Tony on because, A, I get asked uh, enough about where to learn astrology, and he runs uh, this fabulous resource called Astrology University. So I thought we'd do a whole program on just Astrology University because there's so much to talk about and I'm interested in myself. So before we get started here, Tony, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your background? 
Sure. Uh, well, I got started learning astrology when I was 15. I ended. I was actually babysitting for an astrologer <laughs> at the time, just by, by chance, you know, in quotes. And uh, she read my chart for me when I was 15, believe it or not. And she started teaching me kind of some of the basics about astrology and turned me on to some great books. Um, there was a really great New Age bookshop uh, where, where I lived. And I used to go there every weekend, really, and just hang out and read books, meditation books, astrology books. And so that's how I got started. Um, but it wasn't until... Uh, my early 30s, a friend gave me a Stephen Forrest book, and then I discovered Stephen Forrest's work and his apprenticeship program, and I uh, actually started working for him, helping him out with his website, and that's when I got really a lot more deeply into astrology on a professional level. Oh. Yeah. It's interesting that website connection, uh, working for uh, Stephen Forrest is, you know, because we're about to talk about your own website <laughs> and what you've created beyond that. So that's well, that, Yeah. And that wasn't totally random because I was, I was a web developer at the time. Oh, it's all so, coming together. <laughs> yeah. I, I became a web developer in 2000. Uh, I had been working for a magazine and I was in the publishing industry and wanted to make a, a shift um, into web development. So I taught myself web design and then I started freelancing. And a few, a few years, a few, a few years later, I came across Stephen's website and sent him an email and said, Hey, I think your website could use some improvements over the purple spinning <laughs> stars that you currently have. <laughs> you know how design was back in the late nineties. Oh yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, um, it's so retro now when you go back and look at it. Just some of the things. Uh, yeah, no, I hear you. That's funny. There's actually a design trend to go back to that already, which is so funny to me. It doesn't um, surprise. Well, you know, as they say, we have these 20 year cycles. And yeah. really, that late 90s is now that 20 year cycle, even though I don't want to think about that. It just <laughs> right. reminds me how old I am, which I'm sure you probably feel the same way, but yeah. it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Almost like a regression. It's like this funny regression in uh, technology. Like it's gotten so tech and so pro that we find novelty in, you know, even 8-bit and things along those lines. Well, there's something about going back to something more simple that I think a lot of us are attracted to in this moment because it's gotten so complex. Yes, that's a wonderful point. And yes, yes, and yes. So, um, all right. Well, in light of, uh, because when this airs, the sun will be uh, sextiling Jupiter. So that's why I thought it would be good to talk about learning opportunities and educational pursuits. Um, And so I guess one of the first questions I wanted to ask you is just how did Astrology University come about? Like what was the brainchild? What the impetus to go do it? All that. Yeah. So after starting to work for Stephen, I also started to work for several other astrologers. And uh, I um, had this idea in 2010, 2011, I think, to bring everyone under one roof so that people, people's uh, work could be exposed to each other's audiences and that the ideas that all these great astrologers had could start to cross-pollinate Um, both among the astrologers, but also especially um, in the audience itself of the people kind of consuming that education. And so that's how I got the idea for Astrology University. It was really a side project at first because I was so busy. It was almost insane to even (laughs) build it. (laughs) But I just did one night. I I built the website one night and um, I started out uh, by 
offering some new webinars with some of the speakers that I work with. And we started out, I think, with one webinar a month. And and it just grew organically. And now we do two to three webinars a month. And last year, we started doing uh, summits as well. So we have online summits. And this year, uh, we're going to be offering um, a four-year training program beginning in the fall. So I'm working on that now and very excited about it. Oh, yeah. So there's like a natural, you know, progression that was going on. You kind of started smaller and then just grew as it. So it wasn't like this big lofty kind of goal. It was more like we're going to start here and then we're just going to take step by step until we get to, you know, something like this where you're actually creating larger course offerings that are, is there going to be a degree attached to it or? Yeah, well, we can't call it a degree because we can't be accredited in the United States, but uh, we'll probably call it a, we we haven't gotten there quite yet. It'll be a certificate of some sort. It'll be a certification or degree of completion, but it's not just going to be, you know, some certification programs just offer you that, which is a, you know, says that you've watched the video or taken the course. We're actually going to offer um, two ways to interact with the program where you can just do it that way, where you're not kind of tested or anything like that. And we're also going to offer something a little bit more structured so that students can feel like they have support in the learning process where they can um, have goals and work towards those goals and then get feedback. And And there will be some testing as well. And so students who um, complete that side of the program will get some kind of special designation as well. Oh, how cool. Yes. And be the first of the first, you know, the pioneer to give it a, you know, go through the program. Uh, Yeah. I didn't even think of that. That's a great point. That'll be really cool. I mean, I'm probably going to cry to see that first graduating. The graduating class of, I know. I'm such a softie. I just, I just all of a sudden flash forward to that moment. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. And it will be here, you know, it's a lot of your hard work and energy and then everybody else's hard work, you know, when you create this wonderful thing. So, I was going to ask you about, you know, how smooth the whole process was, what struggles might you've uh, encountered and the triumphs. And I think that this is actually one of the triumphs that's coming down to play for you that you've made yes. us far. Um, yeah. Yes. Honestly, the uh, struggles, I'll, I mean, I'll just start there because uh, I don't know how this is going to come out sounding, but we really <laughs> haven't had any hard struggles. The most difficult struggle we encountered was last year. Our we had too much growth. And so I didn't have the infrastructure in place behind the scenes to sort of keep everything up. Um, Not anything that that customers would have noticed, but back-end stuff like accounting and things that are just like, I'm actually still working on the accounting for last year. All those (laughs) details. (laughs) Yes, yes. Things that I could put off, I did just because I had to, because there was so much growth. And I got a window onto why that was in part with a New York Times article that came out last year that showed that the interest in astrology online has doubled in the last two years based on search metrics. Mm -hmm. And so um, I was like, oh, well, that makes sense Um, because I've just been kind of plugging along, doing my thing. I wasn't doing anything special to um, intentionally grow that much. I was just, you know, doing the business and focusing on creating great uh, webinars for folks. And uh, and all of a sudden, it, it just... Grew um, not exactly overnight, but really quickly, and I, I realized it's just because the interest in astrology has grown so much. Yeah, and so I talked to some other folks, and I could see the same thing happening with some other friends of mine in the industry. And so it's been a really, really cool thing to be a part of and to kind of ride this wave. And we get new students every day who are just 
trying to figure out how to learn astrology and where to start. And um, so we're trying more and more to create material for, for those folks. Up, to, up till um, now, we've mostly focused on people who are already astrologers mm-hmm. or who are wanting to become professional astrologers. Maybe they've already been reading some books or studying for a couple of years on their own and they're looking for some deeper material. And those are the f- folks that we've served to date, but we're just trying to broaden our scope more so that we can reach, um, because people are finding us anyway that are just brand new to astrology. And they're like, you know, if you come to our uh, page of webinar offerings, I can I imagine it could be confusing for them where to start because there are going to be terms there that they don't even know yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're talking about starting at the very bottom and yeah. growing up. Um, and and did you say this happened last year? Was the uh, kind of a big boom for you? Last year was a really big boom for us, but honestly, the year before there was a lot of growth as well. Um, so I think that there at some point there was just a um, yeah, I, I haven't looked at the website. Oh, that's okay. I, well, because in my mind, I was just thinking about when you know, Jupiter in um, Scorpio was trining Neptune in Pisces, because yes. I attribute a lot of like uh, just kind of this uh, resurgence of, you know, things like astrology or anything that's mystical and you yeah. know, spiritual oriented seems to have grown, obviously, with uh, Neptune in Pisces, but then that Jupiter influence comes in, so that learning element. So I wonder if that opens yeah, the exactly. floodgates. <laughs> yeah, and I think that there there has been, although we don't offer a lot of classes like this, there has been a lot of interest in, um, you know, astrology and magic, and I have, a lot, uh, I have some good friends who are doing work with, like, uh, creating energetic talismans based mm-hmm. on you know, planetary alignments that they work, they're, they're almost like artisans as well, the way they craft these things. And there's a lot of interest in that, uh, that kind of work um, right now as well that I think could fall under the aspect you just described. Super interesting stuff. And I think that, um, I don't know, you know, when, when, when life gets difficult, people like really seek answers and help and support. And, and, you know, the world has been a little bit yes. weird. I mean, it always is, right? There's always some, uh, it seems like there's always some um, catastrophe that we think we're headed for, for some apocalypse that's predicted. And so there's that. And I think that we just, as humans, we just, we've been doing that for hundreds of years to ourselves. Um, Yeah. (laughs) That can create interest in astrology, but just, it does feel like there's something more going on right now. And, and when people are in crisis, they're seeking answers and meaning and, and astrology is a great place to look for that, I think. Yeah, I absolutely agree. We just did an episode, the last episode with Amanda Moreno. We were talking about navigating the paradigm shift. Uh, and so essentially we're talking about these, uh, you know, grand conjunctions and kind of where yes. we're headed in that area. Um, and yeah, so I originally titled it Navigating a Crazy World because this is the same first thing that came to my mind. She was like, we might not want to use that word crazy. Um, I was like, I see where you're going with this. Apparently we're just talking about the nature of extremes and we're really feeling that um, in, in our world right now. And that's just where we're at. And so Astrology University came about in in 2012. Is that when it was launched or? Yeah, actually, actually I was looking back at that and I think that technically it was 2011. Um, that's when I registered the business name. I think it was like February of 2011. And uh, was shortly shortly after that the, that the website was launched. I really put more energy into it in 2012 for sure, though. But yeah, right around right around that time. 
Because obviously we think of like the prophecy of 2012 and how it was like the biggest shift and all the books were written about, you know, uh, and and basically you created this thing that was right in time with that. I mean, not intentionally, I'm sure, but (laughs) it's just like it works. (laughs) Yeah, it was pretty, it was organic and I didn't, I I mean, I definitely picked electionals. I did did electionals for the actual business incorporation and all that, but... But I didn't, oh. uh, I wasn't like looking forward years ahead and I wasn't thinking that's when I want to start. <laughs> it definitely just organically arose. In the yes. Moment, so. Well, any good astrologer is going to cast that electional chart for sure. Right? You can't help yourself, you know? <laughs> I, yeah, I can't help for better or worse. That's part of it. That's funny. So how about your own astrological education? So now that you're offering this to other people with, of course, the help of a, a solid team, you have some solid astrologers that are, are part of this uh, endeavor. But what about your own astrological education? And how, how did that factor into you creating Astrology University? Yeah, and it is an amazing team that I work with. And I'm just grateful to work with these people every day. I mean, just my job is just such a joy. It's it's uh, so grateful for it. And um, all of those folks, actually, a lot of the folks who teach for Astrology University have been teachers of, of mine as well. Um, they're people who have inspired me. So to answer that question, really, um, a lot of those folks are, are part of that process. But like a lot of folks, I just studied on my own re- by reading books. And uh, eventually I started running charts um, on my own. I uh, The first formal program training program I did with Stephen Forrest, uh, apprenticeship program. And I went through that, uh, you know, I did his level two certification there, um, which just means that you've sat with him through um, six uh, four-day workshops. And um, what he does in that program is really great. Um, and the, one of the reasons it's so popular is, is because of this, that he teaches for a day or two about a topic. And then the rest of the time, he just spends pulling... Um, looking at charts from the attendees in, at the workshops, they draw names out of a hat and he'll read a chart and kind of demonstrate how to apply whatever he's been teaching for the couple of days. And that's, that's, uh, that's hard to find, honestly, yeah. in astrological education. Not, I mean, there are definitely lots of teachers who teach how to read a birth chart, but to see real time a master astrologer giving a, kind of a mini reading to somebody. And then the, the, best part of the program is that that person then provides feedback. So you get kind of instant feedback in a way that you wouldn't necessarily do in a client situation, right? Um, Mm. So people say, oh yeah, that correlated with this time in my life or that here's the story behind what you were just describing or, and, and to see that as a new student was like, you know, it's blows your mind (laughs) because you're like, you've seen astrology work in your own life at that point, but to actually witness it with a, um, with a seasoned astrologer doing the work, it's it's pretty uh, inspiring. And so um, I was really grateful to be part of that program, but I have a Mercury ruled chart. <laughs> and so I didn't just stop with the, oh, no. the one teacher or the <laughs> one method. I had wanted to learn everything. And so I'm going to be busy until I'm dead, I think. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I love that. You know, you're, co- you're coming from all angles and that's, uh, that's very valuable as you create your own practice because unless you have um, all those different points of 
you know, frames of reference, then how, you know, you, that's just how your practice is going to get better. And you'll find what's more true for you in, in the process. And I love what you say about the interaction with the, the birth chart um, and that one-on-one and seeing that happen before your eyes, because it, there is something to be said about that immediate feedback versus looking at maybe celebrity charts or people that have passed. And yeah, we know what happened to their life, but do we know how they felt about it? Do they know how, how they reacted? Like, you know, like just those, those nuances that uh, you might not get from the distance of looking at the chart. So I, yeah. I love that. It's kind of being in it. And it's very useful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's really great. And um, I mean, since then I've studied with a lot of other astrologers, I've done other trainings, but um, I've also done a lot of uh, one-on-one work, uh, mentoring work with astrologers. I do, I still do supervision every now and then I'll come across a chart that just stumps me for some reason, or I'll be in a session with a client and they'll say something and, and I, I, um, haven't seen that particular configuration before. And so I'll check in with one of, one of my folks and do some supervision. I had a really awesome supervision this year with Darby Costello, where I had this chart with, where the person was all fire. Mm. And um, it was like massive, massive fire. Like, I don't remember the exact specifics, but it was like, you know, Aries, Sagittarius, Leo, just like um, really... Uh, vibrant dynamic stuff and the person showed up and was really quiet and reserved yeah not that and and he like uh you know was was very polite he made eye contact he could hear what i was saying (laughs) like did you give me the right time is this the right day yes anyway so i could go into whole details about that but in the first 15 minutes of supervision with darby she just um uh she went right to to um the dynamic there that that uh, described his particular predicament and why the fire was sort of muted. And, um, you know, so even today, after learning astrology for 30 years, you know, with someone like that, who's been um, practicing astrology for much longer than that, uh, it's, yeah, I just love sitting with like master teachers in those situations. And there's just always so much to learn. And, um, yeah. yeah. And all that mercury soaks it right up. <laughs> yes. Boy, and I yeah. definitely do a lot of reading as well. Um, I love, uh, you know, Cosmos and Psyche by Richard Tarnas. Mm. That was a book that really influenced me deeply and still does. And I'm going to actually incorporate a lot of what I've just been talking about into the four-year training program with Astrology University, because one of our intentions is to expose students to several different teachers and teachings, just like they would get in a university where it's not just like one style of astrology that's focused on. Um, there's definitely a um, uh, benefit to just focusing on one style as a student, but I think there's also a benefit to having at least um, some introductory teachings about the different styles that are out there, because then you have a better idea about what you're drawn to and what works for you and I think sometimes you learn in college, you learn just as much from those classes that you hate as the ones that you love. Yes, yes. <laughs> right? Yeah. If nothing else, you learn more about yourself. But uh, those kind of classes where you um, might disagree with what the teacher's saying, they really facilitate you thinking more critically and analytically on your own. And that's not done as much in astrology because um, I think what happens more often is that you gravitate towards a, a really charismatic teacher and then you just learn their method. Mm, yeah. Again, I'm not, I'm not knocking that at all. I hope I'm not coming across that way because I did that myself. And yeah, I think, great. No, 
Well, you, I just want to expose people to several different people like that over the course of four years so that they can um, you know, get a more well-rounded education, really. Yeah. No, that's a great point because I, cause I was going to ask you, you know, since you had so many, have so many webinars um, and kind of more specialized courses on uh, Astrology University, I was kind of curious if, if people seemed more geared to... Uh, you know, a particular astrological discipline, like say evolutionary or traditional, uh, et cetera. Um, but then that does beg to question if that the program was going to have all that. And so you answered that question, which is great. Cause I think you might not even know what you're interested in yet until it's presented. You know, we only have what it is we know. And until there's new evidence that comes in to help sway <laughs> the course of events, I think that's actually a very, uh, valuable, part of what you're going to be offering here. Um, but as far as like what people are, you know, what do you see spikes in certain types of disciplines or is it about even? Yeah, for sure. There's a, there's a big interest in evolutionary astrology. Um, I don't know, you know, early on in, in my work uh, designing and creating astrology university, I did some research on the terms that people are searching for and the, people aren't searching for the term evolutionary astrology so much. Mm. I think there are a lot of people who don't necessarily know the term or know what it means when they're coming to astrology, but they are interested in an astrology, an astrology that describes um, a kind of a, 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 a soul perspective or a soul growth perspective. Um, and also people are just fascinated with the lunar nodes. So any class that teaches about the lunar nodes, whether it's evolutionary or, or not, gets gets a lot of um, traction because it's a subject people are really interested in for whatever reason. Um, Pluto is another <laughs> yeah. of, the, of the planets. Pluto is maybe the most popular. Of, <laughs> well, y'all, everyone's who had a Pluto transit right? or is about to have a Pluto transit. Yes, yes exactly. Oh. Um, and so uh, evolutionary is popular for that reason, but... Um, uh, traditional is also very popular, in, you know, in part because we've been translating all these books over the last several years, and people are starting to work with the techniques, and it's not just a, a scholarly effort anymore. That's still happening, and it'll continue to happen, but as as people are reading, like, books that Benjamin Dykes or Chris Brennan or Demetra's new huge, thick yes. <laughs> volume, um, as people read those books and they start incorporating some of those techniques in their practice, working with them with their clients, um, uh, we're just at a really exciting stage um, of working with traditional astrology in that way. I think <clears throat> a few years ago, when it was just a matter of, it was up to you to read the translation of Manilius on your own and kind of figure it out. <laughs> it took a certain type of person to be into that, right? Yes, yes. Um, yeah. And so now uh, that some uh, great teachers have uh, tried to make some of that material more accessible to the rest of us to work with and said, hey, I've, I've read them, I've read Manilius and Rhetorius and whatever, and here's what I think the great takeaways are. Um, uh, that, that'll enter the mainstream more, and, and it has. And there are a lot of you know, people doing amazing work with traditional astrology, and there's a lot of interest in it as well. Um, you know, one of the things that some folks in traditional astrology um, that I've actually heard somebody say, psychological astrology is dead. And I'm here to tell you, it is definitely not dead. Oh, psychological no. astrology is very, <laughs> very, very popular at Astrology University. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, and, and it will continue to be. It's kind of a, a silly thing to say. It's 
It's like saying disco is dead. You know, disco never died. Disco never died. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The people it, that um, wanted it to die yes. would like to think so, however. <laughs> yes. We still like dancing to it. Yes. Um, <clears throat> oh, no, that's funny. Well, and that's the thing is that the psychological element just in general being introduced into the 20th century, that, like, that's never going to go away. That's just, yeah. we've incorporated that as people. And even yeah. as, that's why I like to call myself a modern traditionalist because I like to use traditional techniques but I'm not going to, you know, there's so much value in that psychological approach. And really as a Scorpio rising, that's how my mind thinks anyway. So uh, I think they're both valuable and to, uh, to separate, it's almost a shame to separate them in my mind, but you know, to each their own, do what you need. But I agree. Yeah. It's definitely not dead because it's about us, right? You know, yeah. psychological. <laughs> yes. That yes. will never be dead. <laughs> and uh, mythic and archetypal is also very popular. And, you know, just to your point, uh, it's also really amazing to see people working with all of them at once. For instance, Jason Holly's doing a really great series for us right now called uh, Myth and Psyche, but it's he's going through all 12 signs. So it's like Virgo and Myth and Psyche, Aquarius and Myth and Psyche. He's got one coming up this weekend on that. And um, he's, gradually doing all the signs and the, and what he's doing is, is blending um, psychological with uh, mythic and archetypal and evolutionary astrology. And he's even bringing in some traditional techniques. He's doing really great work with sect. Mm. Uh, so day and night birth charts and, um, and looking at that through a psychological lens, which is just he's doing really beautiful work with that. So I just love being part of this moment to see what people are doing, blending all these techniques. And I'm hoping that Astrology University can help facilitate some of that as well. Yeah. And I, I was so happy to come across Jason Hawley personally. And I saw him on uh, the summit that you guys did. Uh, was that earlier this year? I did, time flies so fast. Was it January? I know. No, no, no. It was like, I feel like it was uh, December. October. Okay. That's how much time has passed. But I remember he was speaking on Mercury, uh, right? I think he yeah. that was his. Mm-hmm. And I was just enthralled by what he was talking about, especially in relation to sect and how he was bringing those psychological factors into it. And I, I just loved him and I'd never heard of him before. And so if there wasn't, you know, these resources, um, you know, that's, he has such rich information to share. So anybody take that name down, check out his (laughs) webinars and what he's doing because it, it was fascinating, but at least I'm what I think. So, <laughs> but okay. So now what about your personal, uh, you know, courses, webinars? Is there anything that you personally found enlightening uh, to your own practice? Uh, yeah. You mean things that I've enjoyed at Astrology University that, yes, that, that have come through, you know, I've just I'm enjoyed sure myself. Play, yeah. I'm sure you don't play favorites, but just any particular ones that you're like, wow, this really open my mind to something or what, do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I'm the, I'm the business owner. So this might sound a little, you know, I don't know, fake, but it's really not. I, I, I really do learn something from almost every webinar we host. You know, I just, it's kind of like when you, you could listen to the same teacher present the same thing twice and each time you'll, you'll hear something new, something different um, in the presentation. But, you know, some of my standouts have been um, just reflecting back Jessica Murray's Mars Neptune aspects uh, webinar was really influential um, for me a few years back. Um, I really loved the Saturn and Capricorn panel discussion that we did about a year ago. 
Um, that was really great. We got three astrologers together to talk about Saturn and Capricorn. I love what Saffron Rossi is doing. Um, uh, she's just, you know, starting to put some of her work out there, but her work on Neptune and Ariadne, I just, I love the way she brings uh, in myth into a modern perspective and framework and filters in astrology and and uh, the work that she's doing there is just very inspiring. Um, uh, I love Lynn Bell's course on the 11th and 12th houses and the the so-called good diamond and bad diamonds of the 11th yeah. and 12th houses. Mm-hmm. So that's that's an instance where she's taking some of these traditional astrology um, designations by calling you know calling something a bad diamond and a good diamond, and then filtering it into a modern psychological perspective. And so you know. If we look deeper into those terms, what do they mean for us psychologically and how do we work with that energy and how does it tend to show up? And really rich course there. Uh, I love Darby Costello's um, series on the waterhouses. Um, really inspiring. And um, Mark Jones has been doing some cool stuff with um, uh, evolutionary astrology. He's been, you know, he was trained by, uh, first by Noel Till, and then which isn't evolutionary, um, but Noel's just a really prolific teacher. And then he came across Jeffrey Wolf Green, started studying with Jeffrey, and was really inspired by him, and just kind of took that technique. And it was he was really a natural at it, and was just up and running with it in no time. And um, he's a therapist, work, working counselor, and therapist, and he. Um, Sorry. Uh, <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> Based out for a second there. Um, that, um, that happens. Yeah. Or, I don't know if you're able to edit that out. <laughs> I don't do edits because I find these things entertaining. <laughs> oh, okay. Great. <laughs> yes. Well, you know, I, you could probably hear in the background, my phone beeped and it just like beeped in my brain and interrupted. And, my and then it's like, it just takes the, over the train of thought. Well, you were yes. giving us a nice list of things to look at for, I think you gave us a comparable, um, you know, yeah, yeah. different saffron Rossi. Was that one of the names? Yeah. Yeah. And then I rem- I remember where I was going with Mark's. Um, oh yes. Yeah. So he did it. So he's started, I was trying to kind of set it up for you that he studied with Jeffrey <laughs> and then he kind of, uh, as he began to work with the material really deeply with his clients and his therapy practice, he began to individuate and even more so when he started doing a research project, he has a, a, a guy who helps him do some research now. Um, in preparation for his book on the planetary nodes. And that research really took his work to a new level. And then he uh, did a webinar for us. I think it's been two years now called the lunar nodes, challenging perspectives and new directions. And that one's really worth checking out. If you've worked with the nodes for a while, or you've been exposed to some teachings on evolutionary astrology, because he kind of questions some of the um, status quo teachings on the nodes based on, um, this research that he's done and also his work with his clients. So that, that one's really, that one's really influential for sure. Um, you know, for instance, some teachers will teach that the South node is something negative that we should be moving away from while the North node is something positive that we should move towards. And Marcus, um, really sees the notes as part of a really dynamic polarity where it's not like Good and bad. Yeah, it's a, it's a blending, a temperance of the two. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. So lots and lots of just really great stuff um, that I'm I'm inspired by through through Astrology University myself. So 
Yeah. Well, so now real quick on the nodes, um, is there also information in those, in those webinars, uh, like the nodes collectively speaking, um, versus just in the chart? And cause I get questions about that a lot. Like people try to understand the nodes within their own chart, but I'm tending to speak on them in the terms of eclipses or what's going on in the world. And I was just wondering, was anybody touching on, <laughs> this is a selfish request. Is anybody yeah. touching on those collectively, uh, in their webinars or do you find that that's thrown in at all? Yeah. Um, you know, Stephen Forrest did a bit of that in his recent, um, solar arcs workshop. Um, cause he looks at the solar arc lunar nodes um, he's personally found that the solar arc lunar nodes work a little bit better for timing than any of the other, than like the transiting nodes or the, um, or the progress nodes. So that's his favorite way to work with the nodes and timing. And he speaks to kind of collective dynamics with that. So there's, it's a little, it's, it's not the focus of that workshop, but it's in there a little bit. Um, Mark works, Mark has found recently, and you can pick this up in Mark's more recent webinars um, on I believe the rulers of the lunar nodes where he talks about, um, Oh no, it's, it's in, uh, it's in his work about, um, uh, um, major life events, um, times of, of, of great change. It's a webinar he just did for us last year, but as he's been researching these moments in people's lives, where, like where Freud met Jung, for instance, um, mm-hmm. uh, and looking at the charts for that, those times, that the transiting nodes often show up as part of some major configuration. Mm-hmm. So that the transiting nodes by themselves don't necessarily show up. Um, like if it's just the transiting nodes and nothing else, you know, doesn't necessarily point to some big shift, but in conjunction with other just like with a lot of things in astrology, when you see two or three things happening at once um, in these big shifts in people's lives, he often sees the transcending nodes in those charts. So he's been talking about that uh, again, not just from a personal level, but how that impacts the collective as well. Mm, yes. So, well, and now that now I'm thinking about it in the back of my brain and my own chart, thinking about solar arcs and, uh, uh, with the lunar nodes, I can think of a very important time in my life where those were just lined up so perfectly in my chart by solar arc. And so, yes, I definitely get behind that theory. Okay. Okay. That yeah. Play out life-changing things play out. Uh, yeah. Yes. So hmm, interesting. Interesting. Oh, yes. There are many, many, many rabbit holes in astrology. Oh, I know. And I'm trying to go down them all and hopefully one day I'll come out <laughs> with more to say and more to share there. Yes. Um, now, okay. So this is going to be airing the week of our new moon in Aquarius. So I was just thinking about community in general, because I know you got a bustling Facebook group going on that I'm, that I'm a part of and I see posts all the time. And so I was wondering, you know, what sense of community you saw brewing within the university or if, you, if that's grown or if people are really, you know, connecting beyond just this resource that, you know, like through it, if that makes sense. Yeah. And community is something we actually focused on more intentionally this year. So that Facebook group just grew this year. We've had, we had the Facebook group for a while, but we weren't, um, we weren't, uh, doing anything to, I guess, grow it or work with it more dynamically. And part of that was had to do with my time, time constraints. And so, uh, Nicholas Polimonakos came, uh, along to help us out, help me help support me in the summit that we did this year. And as part of that, he, he's the, he took on being the manager of the Facebook group. And so there's a full-time moderator who's really in there in the trenches with folks 
um, helping uh, both answer questions, but also kind of keep the group on track. You know, one of the, one of the reasons uh, groups like that fizzle out is because certain people sort of hijack the group for some agenda, whether it's promotion or they're just always trying to get free chart readings or something like that. And so um, we have some basic guidelines about community interaction and Nicholas is really good about kind of communicating with folks about, Hey, you know, that's not really on topic. So we're going to delete that post and um, we'd love to have you stay here, but here's, here's the kind of questions that will really serve the group. And, and you really want to have the community in mind when you're posting things and it's really worked. I mean, it's, 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 uh, you know, knock on wood so far so good. It's, it's like you said, if you jump on there, um, there's a lot of activity and it's, and they're good, really good responses. Also, um, I didn't ask them to do this, but a lot of the a lot of the instructors for Astrology University will jump on there sometimes and answer questions too. So it's not unusual to see Stephen Forrest jump in there and answer a question or two. And that's pretty exciting. Um, so I think that helps keep the group alive. But we've really intentionally tried to create more of a sense of community. And in part, that had to do with, I've been doing webinars for a while. And on a webinar, um, I feel like I, you know, even though people aren't in the room with me, I feel like there's real connection and interaction happening in the chat window. Um, but I wanted to expand on that a bit because one of the cool things that happens at conferences is that there are all these sidebar conversations that happen outside the classroom, in the hallway, at lunch. Mm. And I was like, how can I, how can I make those conversations happen? And so we started doing open house events, um, which are basically just me hanging out in the chat room with folks for an hour and a half or so. And we just chat about whatever, whatever comes up. There's no guidelines other than let's talk about astrology, just like we would in the hallways at United Astrology Conference. Mm. (laughs) Yes. And so, um, those conversations have been so fun. They've been a big highlight for me this year. Um, it's, it's, it's been amazing. The last open house event, we had so many people that I couldn't, I, I couldn't, I was constantly about 20 minutes behind the question. I think I was, I, I, I hopped on for a little bit and was watching you and yeah, that chat goes off. Like, I don't even know how you're, you know, can prioritize or. Yeah. Well, you know, I've got a really good Mercury, uh, yeah. especially if you're using, if you're using uh, traditional astrology techniques to evaluate planets, my Mercury is, is pretty good. And up until that particular open house, I somehow got to everybody and pulled it off because I really can <clears throat> uh, jump around and yeah. um, I can, I can kind of Mr. Multitask. <laughs> I can take on all the questions and stay on topic and get to the next one and switch gears really quickly. Um, but this last one, there were just too many people. Um, so I'm, I think the next time I might bring on a, an extra person to help out or I don't know, I'll have to think about it, but I just love um, being able to have those conversations and facilitate them. So we're going to keep doing that for sure. Um, just to create that sense of community. And I, I feel like it's really happening. Um, you know, at the summit, uh, I witnessed amazing conversations happening between people. So it's not just, you know, it's not just uh, yeah, talking, having conversations yeah. with the instructors. It's students having conversations with each other. Um, it's people helping each other. It's people saying, saying, hey, I'm having this problem. And somebody else jumping in saying, hey, I, I've been there and this is what helped me. Um, there's a lot of uh, love and support in our community um, that I witnessed in the chat window. And I just love that. I don't know. If, I mean, it's something that I intend and I, I love uh, being a part of, but I can't say I created that. You know, it's just yeah. it's arisen organically, like the people 
um, drawn to our community just seem to be really lovely, amazing people. And I, I just, yeah, grateful for that every day. And I just, it was really heartening to see what well, it's always heartening to see that happening in the chat window. Um, but especially at the summits, um, you just see it more. There's a lot of energy and dynamism around a summit, just like there is at a conference. Oh yeah. I mean, we were pumped up. It was like two, all, two days, all day events, you know, one after the other, I was trying to just keep up. Yeah. There was so many, you know, fat, and that was a solid lineup of speakers for both days. Uh, one person in, uh, Jessica Murray, is that yeah. her name? I just loved her. I'd never yeah. heard of her before either. And, um, I just resonate. My Uranus on the Ascendant just resonated with her. I was like, speak woman, speak. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Well, there are these, you know, there, and you know, there are more people like this out there than the the folks we had on our, there's people out there doing amazing work who are just, you know, they've been operating in their own universe for years and they're not necessarily well known. And I, I seek those folks out. Um, There's a woman here locally in Portland um, named Carol Ferris, who has had a really thriving like five day a week astrology consulting practice for 40 years. Mm. And she's brilliant. You know, you sit with her for an hour and your mind is blown. You know, she's just like, she's, she's carrying so much information, but she hasn't written a book and she isn't out there. Um, she's, she is teaching, but she's mostly teaching locally. Um, she's done, she's, we've been trying to get her out a bit more. So she's <laughs> been doing a little bit more online teaching, but you know, there, there are lots of folks like that out there. And I just love, um, you know, I love this time as well with technology where we're able to capture and record uh, teachings with some of these master teachers. One of that's, and that's, that's one of the main missions with Astrology University. Um, that was one of the original missions early on was to just um, ca- capture and record this kind of off the cuff teaching and in the moment teaching that historically has been done at, um, you know, astrology workshops across the country, sometimes recorded, sometimes not. Um, because back in the day, we, you know, like I am a student of, I mean, I, I study declination and teach about declination and there aren't a lot of teachings out there. And when I go back to kind of research some of it, you know, one of the big um, names from back in the day that taught or used declination was Charles Jane. And we don't have any recordings of him teaching. We just have his books and his books are just, you know, notoriously difficult to read. Yes. <laughs> and so... Um, you know, he's the kind of person that you want to sit with. I would totally go to a workshop with him to say, Hey, what does this mean in your book? And I can't ask him that. Right. So, um, it's really beautiful to be part of this time where we have, we're able to record, you know, sitting with Darby Costello and say, hey, what does this mean? And she tells you. (laughs) Yes, yes, you can unpack it further if you know, because sometimes what's said in writing is not always, it doesn't translate to other yeah. people to be able to dive deeper. Yeah. Uh, you're at the right place at the right time, especially being web development. And now we have these wonderful tools like Zoom that has really expanded upon like the, you know, the Skype thing. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's just fascinating what you can do these days. And clearly we're using it right now to even have this conversation. So that is a plus to get everyone together in this more global uh, space. Um, but would you, what would you say differs from the online experience experience through the in-person, like maybe some pros and cons in those areas. Sure thing. You know, one of the things uh, Stephen Forrest says, which I think is probably true, is that there's, uh, I mean, he's not the first person to say this. It's, it's, um, it's an idea that you hear a lot among Eastern spiritual teachers, that there's something that you get from sitting with a master teacher or a seasoned teacher 
that's energetic. So just being in their presence, mm-hmm. there's a transmission that happens. I'm not convinced that that doesn't happen online, honestly. Um, I think that if you think about like, I don't know, the hundredth monkey theory or, you know, you can get into quantum physics and what's that thing about entanglement or whatever, quantum entanglement where two things can vibrate at the same frequency, but be miles apart. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, that works in any type of energy, you know, people who do remote energy healing, yes. stuff like that. And I mean, just even getting on zoom and zoom with you right now, zoom with anybody I'm talking about there. Like I can feel it right away. There's just almost like a honed in focus that you're able to connect. I, I, get it. I agree. <laughs> I understand what you're saying. But so what I think the way it might work is just as we're talking this out is that, right, if it's about vibrating at the same frequency and Stephen's giving a teaching and he's sitting in his office and you're talking with him and you're looking at him and you're having a connection and he's over in Borrego Springs and you're in New York City, but you're, you know, if you start vibrating at his, at his the frequency of what he's teaching because of what he's saying, because you're resonating with or connecting with or making a heart connection with what he's saying. Um, then you, you, you know, I could see how the, the connection happens, even though you're not in the same room together. Yeah. Um, so well, you're I, still the watcher, you know, you're the observer and that's the whole yeah. nature of where they're going. Even with quantum physics is the idea of the observer. Just, it, yeah. there is that connection there. So yes. And I, I guess the pros and cons of another thing that comes up that I think of is that when you're watching something online from the comfort of your own home, you can, uh, (laughs) you don't have to dress up. You can be (laughs) in your, um, in your pajamas. You can be eating popcorn really loud and, uh, you, you can do whatever you want. You can go answer the telephone. You can get up and go to the bathroom and it's not rude. Um, that's a pro, but it's also a con because it means you can, easily distract yourself. You could be looking at your phone while the teacher's talking. You can, um, you know, look at Facebook and be distracted and, you know, because you're not sitting in front of them. Yes. And it's not going to come across as rude because they don't know you're doing it. Yeah. Yeah, Right. So, and, um, you know, uh, so there's that. Another thing that happens online that some um, students love and other students hate is the chat window. Right. So the chat window is there for like, you know, the Gemini's, let's be honest, and and the Mercury people and the Capricorn people find it really annoying that the folks aren't sitting and listening to the instructor and they get distracted by all the things popping up. And um, so there's a group of people who we get a lot of questions about how do I turn off the chat window? (laughs) Yeah. And, and we get a lot of questions about how do I find the chat window? (laughs) And so, um, and the chat window is always very lively. But um, if those folks were speaking out loud, it would be cacophony because there's a constant chat stream happening while the instructor's teaching, right? But there are people who can, uh, there are people who can manage that, I think. And then there are other people for sure who are just not paying attention and they're more interested in the chat window. And um, I don't know, I think there's pros and cons to that. One of the things is that if you're chatting real time and you're listening to the instructor and they say something, right, that you get inspired by and you say, oh, that reminds me of this thing that happened to me, right, in the chat window. And then another person says, oh, that happened to me too. Um, and then they start having a conversation. Um, is that just a negative thing because they're not listening to the teacher? I think not at all because we give everybody the recordings and they can go back and listen to the 
instructor later. They can, and, and they do. People will listen to the webinar recordings two or three times to kind of take in what the instructor is saying. So if, 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 and in the moment, the chat is just there for the live event and then it's gone, right? You just have that one opportunity to connect live and then it's, and then it's gone. So I don't really think of it as a negative. Um, I think it's really great. And it, it's, a, it's a cool new experience that we haven't had in learning before doing webinars because you can't do that in a classroom. You no. can't make that happen. <laughs> it's yeah. rude. Yeah. It's terrible. It would be terrible in a classroom. That would, would be horrible. Yes. <laughs> Nothing would get done then. <laughs> yeah, people eating popcorn in their pajamas and just talking to each other, that would be terrible. <laughs> no. No. Oh, yeah. But I thought, you know, that's one of the things that I love most about this day and age and what you're offering is the fact that we can go back and watch. Yeah. At any time, any day, yeah. 10 years from now, what have you, like the, this is yours to essentially own, you know, yeah. to use for your own personal reference and yeah. education. And that's very valuable, I think. Yeah. And when, and the almost, well, I'll just say that all of the teachings are timeless. You know, some people might say that when astrologers are talking about a specific event in time, that that's not timeless. Like who's going to want to go back and listen to the Jupiter ingress and Scorpio talk? Well people who have Jupiter and Scorpio in the birth chart because there's resonance. Um, people who are looking at the next time Jupiter. Yeah, I'm all 12 years birth. from now. Right, <laughs> yeah. <don't> need that. <laughs> yeah, and um, even kind of one-time configurations, um, just going back to listen to what a seasoned astrologer has said about those things is always a teaching tool. So I think that it's, it's all really timeless. Well, because sometimes titles can be not, I don't want to use the word deceiving because that's not really what it is. But, you know, even when I do these podcasts, like I title it, but there's so much different information that ends up being shared within that space that you can't, you know, the label only does it just thus far, you know. So, yeah, there's a lot of tidbits on all, you know, all fronts that you can get just by listening back to these things, I think. Definitely. Yeah. So, well, very cool. So now I guess one of the, la the last question I would ask you for, um, you know, basically, for, okay, this is a two-part question. We have, now, if someone were just starting out, they had their first course, are there a couple first courses that you would recommend, you know, maybe in a couple different disciplines? And then if someone was more of an intermediate student, you know, they're not quite at the beginning, but they just want to expand, or there's courses there for, you know, just a, just a few to throw out there. Sure thing. You know, we, we, I always refer people to Robert Blaschke's um, uh, beginner astrology course uh, that we, um, that we offer. And so Robert Blaschke passed away a few years ago, but he was uh, a master astrologer um, who lived in the Pacific Northwest and was a really great, I mean, he's a great astrologer, but he was a really great teacher. Uh, a lot like in the way that Stephen Forrest is a great teacher, meaning that, um, he had a, a nice structure to his class. He spoke at a pace that you could follow. Um, things were taught in a sequential order that made sense. Uh, he, if he said, I'm going to talk about A, B, and C, by the time the workshop was over, he had talked about A, B, and C. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yes. Um, because that, does, that doesn't always that happen. Always, no, it doesn't. <laughs> that doesn't always happen. And um, he provided fabulous handouts, which he had the foresight to um, keep copies of, right? Oh, nice. When he um, passes away, when he, after he passed away. So I became friends with his daughter and, and uh, Amy Blaschke, who's just a lovely person and we're very close friends. And she, um, um, because I have this uh, mission of preserving 
um, archival recordings from these really great astrology teachers. Uh, I you know, found out that she had all these tapes of her dad's that she would just listen to in the car on road trips and stuff. And um, she's like, yeah, and he's got, he had all, he kept all of the handouts. And I was like, oh my gosh, let's, let's, um, let's release some of this stuff because it's amazing. Because I, I listened to this beginning astrology. It's called, the course is called Beginning Astrology, Language of Life for the first time a couple of years back. And even though it's meant to teach astrology from the ground up, you know, even a seasoned astrologer can get something from listening to the course. Um, What it does is introduce students, um, you know, in a very introductory way to each of the main kind of building blocks of astrology. Um, You'll need to go into depth on each of those, right? But it's, it's, it's a course that provides an overview, I think, without leaving students feel confused. We've had a lot of students come to us who have said, you know, I tried learning astrology and I just get confused. There's too many moving parts and I can't like figure out how to bring it all together. And I say, check out this course. If you don't like it, it's the only course that we offer a money back guarantee. (laughs) Because, and here's the reason why we don't do a money back guarantee. Because if you go to college and you take a class and you don't like it and you say, hey, I want a refund. They're like, "Uh, sorry, that's not a thing. Um, Or if you go to a conference and listen to a talk you don't like, you you don't get a refund for that talk. We're we're just like that. We're just like a conference or a school. And so we don't. But I do in situations, uh, because sometimes we'll get new people who are like trying to check us out. And I say, hey, you know, this course is so tried and true that if you don't like it, just let me know and we'll refund your money. It's also very, very affordable. It's not a video course, um, right? It's an audio course with handouts. So it's, uh, it's a lot less expensive than like the live video courses that we offer. Um, so um, there's that caveat too, that if you like watching somebody in a video, then it doesn't have that component. But, um, yeah. but well, any- he- I, 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 like you, um, we have, um, our, uh, San Diego Astrological Society has been around since 1974. And I took on the, uh, task of transferring all these old tapes from many of, you know, we have a lot of prominent speakers come through our doors, which was great. And he was one of them that I did a lot of, uh, tape transcribing for, and I had never heard of him. And I was just, blown away by the information he had to share, share the succinctness, like you're saying, like he really stayed on topic. And I, I just, I got it by the end of the talk. So I can't recommend him enough. So I don't think video is going to be a problem because yeah. I, I, I mean, I'm listening to old tapes from, you know, the eighties, the nineties, et cetera. And, uh, yeah, he was he, excellent, excellent speaker and educator. Yeah, definitely. For sure. Um, so I really love his course for beginners. Um, Kelly Surtees has a course called Practical Astrology for Be- Beginners. That's really great. Um, it's meant to be a gateway into kind of her work and her teaching. Um, so, it, you know, it's teaching her her method and her style. And, um, but it, you know, she's another teacher that students just love because she's really clear. She's easy to follow. She presents a lot of information, but she makes it digestible. Um, and she does great handouts, really great handouts and visuals. So, um, I and she's that one as well. Oh, okay. Yeah. And <laughs> well, she's fun and funny and, yeah, um, and her yeah. lovely Australian accent. Well, it's <laughs> funny, Tony, because I had spent a decade of, uh, you know, 
on my own, teaching myself astrology. And there was just some little pieces that I just needed before I really just went in there and made this my thing. And I took that course from you guys uh, because I saw Kelly speak for our group here in San Diego and I just loved her style. I wanted to dive in further to traditional and just seem like the right moment. And that course was great for me. And yeah. so I highly recommend that. To oh, us. awesome. Thank you so much for that. I appreciate it. Yeah. And so, yeah, Kel- part of Kelly's style, you know, I mentioned her style is that she's, she's one of these folks who has taken traditional techniques and filtered them into a modern and psychological framework. She wouldn't describe herself as a psychological astrologer. She described herself as a traditional astrologer, but what she really is doing and the reason why people are connecting and resonating with it is she's bringing the concepts into, you know, into real life and daily experience and showing people how to work with these um, techniques in your day-to-day life, you know, right. They're not just meant to be, it's not just a scholarly endeavor. So that's, (laughs) that's kind of where I send beginners, um, like brand new beginners. Nice. And then your question was for intermediate students. Intermediate students. um, If there's any particular thing, I know intermediate could be anything, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Well, uh, basically, our whole website is geared towards intermediate students with the exception of the few beginner offerings that we have. Um, so really, you can't go wrong just searching for a topic you're interested in. If you want to learn more about, you know, I don't know, Venus retrograde or whatever it is, you can search for um, search for that. We have a lot of the topics covered. Um, but probably one of the first places I would send an intermediate student is to check out any of the webinars or workshops we have with chart interpretation in the title. And I'm thinking especially of, um, there's a really great weekend workshop with Stephen Forrest where you get to see him interpret uh, Marilyn Monroe's birth chart. No, I have it backwards. Frida Kahlo's birth chart um, one day and, Mm -hmm. and he's interpreting it just like he would if she was sitting with him. And then he does uh, Frida Kahlo's transits. Oh, I just said it backwards again. <laughs> <laughs> Marilyn Monroe's transits the next day. And uh, and again, he says, you know, if Marilyn came to Beans, this is what I would have said to her at this time. Mm-hmm. Um, that That's really great for an intermediate student because one of the problems intermediate students have, the most common complaint we have is, okay, I've learned all this stuff, but I can't figure out how to synthesize it. Yeah. Right, and so these chart interpretation workshops—if if that's in the title—that means you're going to you're going to get to witness an astrologer doing chart synthesis. You know, they're they're all going to use different techniques for that, um, and hopefully you've studied some of those techniques so that you don't get thrown off by the technique part. Um, but uh, but to see an astral astrologer at work doing chart interpretation and saying, okay, hey, so she has Venus square Saturn, yes, but she's in Pisces and she has a Scorpio moon, right? Mm-hmm. So. It, that here, that's what this looks like. And that's, that throws off students when they get to that level of, I, I think I, I think I can say some words about Saturn. I can talk about Venus a bit. I can definitely talk about Scorpio moon and Pisces sun, but, but putting all that together. <laughs> ah! <laughs> ah, that's too much. <laughs> yeah. We've all been there. We've all been there and it's hard. And the way to get over the hump is to, is to see somebody do it. I think. Yeah, because, you know, those moving parts are important uh, because they're all contributing to, you know, the end result of the person sitting there before you. And so, and, you know, it's also very valuable to have those um, those offerings out there because you get to see all these, you know, reputable people in their process. And that is invaluable, really. I mean, you can develop your own process through watching other people's, but, of course. you know, you don't see that out there other than 
what I've seen you guys offer really. Yeah. Yeah. And I like, I like what you just said too. And it's an important point that you can develop your own techniques, but it's just like with any discipline, you know, you need to learn the musical scale before you can improvise on the, on the scale. Yes. Of break. You need to learn what the rules are before you can break them. Right. And, and there are a lot of different rules. Nobody agrees on the rules in astrology. One teacher, especially a, you know, a super Capricornian teacher might say, these are the rules. <laughs> <You know? laughs> right? And we have some of those teachers on our staff, um, but, um, but, you know, uh, really um, what you should be doing as a student is to learn how to think critically and creatively for yourself. So witnessing somebody teaching what their version of the rules are, even if you don't agree with them, it's really helpful to learn those and engage with them. And then take a chart out, you know, watch Steven's webinar, take a chart out and, and then try to do what he just did. Right. And notice where you get stuck. Notice where you might disagree with him. You know, get Marilyn Monroe's chart out and look at it while you're listening to him teach and think, wow, he, yeah, I can see what he's saying there, but he's not talking about this. I wonder why, or, um, he said this about that aspect and I would add X, Y, and Z, right. That's where the real learning and magic happens. And, um, I, you know, I, I hope that we're facilitating that process happening with, with our students. Yes. I have we a don't want people to just <laughs> learn and parrot and repeat, right? Yeah. Yes. Well, because it is, you know, astrology is a very creative discipline. It yeah. is about those rules and that structure and that framework to, to work around. But as you use it more and you have your own insights and you can test these, these methods out, part of it is that creative process that comes into enliven your own scope of what it is that you see. Um, and you know, like one astrologer sees one thing, another sees another thing. They're both absolutely right. They're just picking up on different frequencies of maybe that chart or that, you know, transit or what have you. Definitely. Yeah. So very cool. All right, Tony, well, I think you've shared uh, a lot about astrology university. Um, and I highly recommend people go check that out. I mean, astrologyuniversity.com, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, so actually, so where can people find you? I mean, you as you and what you have to offer the university, do you have any events coming up, anything along yeah. those lines? Yeah. Well, my personal website is the astrologycoach.com. Um, that's where I you know, I have a blog there and I have my own consulting practice there. Um, we have so many great events coming up for you at Astrology University this year. Um, we just did our first annual in-person um, planning retreat for the year ahead with Kelly Surtees in Palm Springs. And we just loved it. So we're going to... Um, intending to do that again in Palm Springs next year. Um, we also have uh, Demetri George's annual in-person retreat, traditional astrology retreat coming up probably in October again this year. We haven't set the dates in the venue just yet. And um, we're hoping to do an in-person event with Mark Jones this year, in addition to his already sold out event that we're doing in Wales um, this summer. So he's doing uh, a retreat um, in Wales, uh, uh, called the leading the leading edge, and that's for five days uh, in Wales. That's, I'm just so excited for that. Yeah, so those are those are our main in person events. Um, we have webinars every every two weeks at the least, and um, some months we have three webinars. So our next webinar this weekend is Jason Holly's Aquarius and Myth and Psyche, um, and then two weeks later I'll be doing a webinar called um, it, it's it's uh, revisiting Aquarius. And I'm basically 
making a case that we shouldn't forget that Saturn rules Aquarius. And um, it'll be, it's, it's, I think it sounds a little bit like it might be more controversial than it will be. Um, but uh, <laughs> I, I basically um, got the idea for this particular webinar after hearing Rob Hand go on a rant about how Uranus doesn't rule Aquarius. And, and that rant just got me thinking about it myself and asking questions. And it led to some of the ideas that I'll be sharing in this webinar about Saturn ruleship with Aquarius, uh, which is, you know, some teachers have pointed out that worked for 2000 years and it didn't just stop working. <laughs> working. Yeah. The second that Uranus is like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I totally agree with you. Like, um, yeah. I mean, to the point where I'm only using Saturn. I don't, I don't use any of the yeah. others to rule anything that doesn't. Make yeah. Sense. I'm, I'm in the same boat myself. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. So, uh, that's what that one's about. Then we have, um, the we I think a week later, uh, series I'm really excited about with Lynn Bell on money. So she did a web uh, a talk at UAC last year about money um, and astrology and and looking at money from a psychological perspective. Which, as I was sitting in her talk, I was like, "Wait, we haven't done this before. Why has no one done this? This is such a no brainer." Like, yeah, we've talked about money with astrology, like endlessly, but always from a real a materialistic perspective, which I don't think is bad at all. It's just that I noticed that we haven't really done it in the way that she was doing. Like she was looking at a chart and saying, okay, money, I think it was called have it, hoard it, spend it or something like that. And it was like, what are the psychological dynamics that would lead to a more hoarding kind of approach with money or a more, um, you know, carefree Yes. Spendy Have approach. Spend it all. Spend it all. <laughs> I'll take it all. <laughs> yeah. And then um, provided lots of great examples. And I was like, why don't you do that as a, a workshop for us? And she's going to expand it into um, three sessions. Super psyched about that. Cool. And then it, the first to hear it here, but we have a summit coming up in April that hasn't, it's not been posted yet, but our next summit will be uh, looking at the transits, the major uh, shifts in 2020. So we'll be looking at um, the Saturn Pluto conjunction and also the Jupiter Saturn conjunction. And we have an amazing lineup of speakers. Oh my God. So excited. So um, those are the, those are the big things coming up next. <laughs> Yeah. Yes, I'm all about the. I I love the bigger cycles. I'm fascinated yeah. by history, so I cannot wait for that. That's exciting. Yeah, me too. <laughs> well, sweet. All right. Well, thank you so much for that, Tony. Uh, I'll try to recap some of those on my own website because I always do a blog post to oh, cool. people. But I just put the link and just send them your way. Awesome. Um, but so, where can you find me? Well, you can find me at energeticprinciples.com. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook at energetic principles. Um, and of course I have my Patreon. If you would like to support the podcast or consider signing up for my tarot subscription, um, and my new moon offering, uh, that is patreon.com backslash energetic principles. Um, and if you like what you hear today, or you want people to know about astrology university and what Tony Howard's doing, that is remarkably useful for this, uh, this community, you know, spread the good word, share this, uh, po podcast with a friend or give it a nice review on iTunes. Cause that helps everyone be seen and, you know, spread the message further. Um, all right, Tony. Well, it was so fabulous to have you on here. I'm so glad you took the time to join me. I appreciate it. It was my pleasure, Melissa. Thanks so much. Yes, absolutely. All right. And so thank you for listening as always. May the stars be with you.